I'm Nancy Showalter, and you're listening to Spirituality for the Politically Incorrect podcast. Welcome, all radical paradigm shifters and creative change makers. You who dare to create a better life and a better world, tap into the power that resides within you and use that power for constructive change. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. We have a very exciting topic that we're discussing today with Dr. Dean Schrock, author of Why Love Heals and Doctor's Orders Go Fishing. Dr. Schrock served as director of mind body medicine for a physician's management group of 40 cancer patients, or 40 cancer centers, excuse me, where he developed and researched a wellness program teaching thousands of cancer patients and their families. He was writing prescriptions for patients to go fishing. And as a result of his research and what he was doing, he found that his patients were living much longer than those getting only conventional medical treatment. But I'll let Dr. Schrock tell us about his research as to why this happened. Dr. Schrock, welcome. We are all waiting to hear all about Why Love Heals. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me to join you today. Well, this is an exciting topic, and as I said, so maybe you can pick up where I just left off and tell us how you became interested in Why Love Heals. Well, as you noted, it was related to the research I did in working with these cancer patients and having taught a wellness program where the emphasis was trying to engage them in life and teaching a will to live. And I had the fortunate experience to train early on with Dr. Carl Simonton, who many people may know as the oncologist who encouraged people to imagine their immune systems gobbling up cancer cells as part of their treatment. And my doctoral dissertation happened to be on guided imagery. Anyhow, in working with Carl, um, I was very much interested in his program that was much more about teaching people about taking their lives in a direction of great joy, um, much more than guided imagery. That was simply a tool to help them bring more joy in their lives. So when I was in the position then, hired as director of mind-body medicine to develop all psychological services for cancer patients and their families, I adopted uh, Carl's work along with work I had done prior in a self-help program. And the huge surprise was in teaching them to create a better balance in their lives between doing for others and taking care of themselves, really looking at their own interests and needs and values, is that they found this too selfish, Nancy. They, they simply couldn't do it. So when, after looking back after four to seven years of people who had gone through my program, um, we found that uh, people simply could not do what we were asking them to do. Not that they didn't adopt some of this lifestyle, but I couldn't comfortably then conclude that it was their lifestyle or their will to live that was what was causing them to live longer. And that's when I learned and was allowed by the editors of the journal who wanted to publish my research to make a clinical comment. 
And what I had discovered in going around to all these cancer centers and getting feedback is that what really helped patients most, as they told me, was that I listened and I cared and I was sincere. And that really threw me. It wasn't then any um, specific coping skill I taught them about stress management, guided imagery, whatever. It was that they felt loved and cared for, which was so similar to Dean Ornish's conclusion with heart disease. Because initially when I was concluding that love heals, love was the healing agent, why they really live longer. As a scientist, I'm sure you can appreciate, it may sound nice, but I joke, go try to explain that to an oncologist for the most part. So that's when I was encouraged and determined, really, to investigate why love really could heal. And that, that led to my book and um, I think some pretty good insights into why love really could heal. And wonderful. So how would you define love? Well, in a word, I would say oneness, but it'd be like I'm leaving out a lot of whole, whole lot of other information, how I got to that point. But certainly love would incorporate things like compassion and caring and um, even in the idea of harmonious action. Love is really an underlying force, a connective glue in the universe that interpenetrates and connects everything. It is a life force energy with the qualities of harmony and order and compassion and joy and peace. So you're really not just talking about love as just an emotion that we have toward one another. That's part of it, of course. But actually, you're defining it on a much higher level. It's an energy frequency that really, like you say, uh, holds the universe together. Right, right. And that was... Um, that was a pretty big leap for me as well and discovery because love otherwise, as I think for many people, is an emotion or uh, we think of it maybe more in romantic terms uh, mm -hmm. rather than the idea that love, however we might even say God is love, love is this underlying force of the entire universe. And it is one of complete harmony and order and compassion. It's remarkable that way. In fact, if there's one message I would love to leave with our audience today, it's learn to trust this field. It is absolutely in your interest. And however people might even use the expression, let go, let God, and to express faith or to surrender to something like this is a huge step for most people. I don't care how much you know or understand Life is difficult business. I even found myself saying a point, one point uh, in my career because I got into some very difficult stuff teaching people in the recovery from strokes and chronic pain is that life stinks. Life really is difficult. So how then can you learn to trust something that otherwise appears to be negative and anything but having your interest at heart? Well, I know that you turn to quantum physics, of course, in your scientific thrust toward uh, finding out why love heals. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, in fact, I want to give a, a good reference beyond my book, Why Love Heals. Lynn McTaggart is a, a journalist and an excellent researcher in her own right. And she was very helpful for me to make quantum physics more understandable or relatable. She wrote a, um, a couple of really good books, like the first one is The Field. And what she did was in, investigate and interview literally hundreds of physicists 
looking at uh, what quantum physics really is. And it's, it's an understanding that, as I was proposing earlier, but I'm going to say now more in terms of an electromagnetic field, but there is an electromagnetic field that underlies and interconnects everything. And I think it goes back to the early 1900s one, hundreds one, a, a Dr. Max Planck, who's pretty much considered a father of quantum mechanics or quantum physics, discovered that there was this electromagnetic energy that did underlie everything and connect everything. And then they were beginning to discover some of the qualities of that field. And it was one physicist in particular who really got my attention, a Dr. David Bohm, who literally called this an energy field of love. And that really got my attention. It really threw me, actually, initially. I thought, and it was part of a joke that even Dean Ornish proposed and I did in my writing, that scientists don't talk about love. Doctors don't talk about love. It's not comfortable. And especially when I was writing up my research, I was actually very aware and on purpose did not choose to use the word love in writing up my research. So it's interesting, again, for them, that is all of these early uh, quantum physicists to talk about this uh, remarkable quality of harmony and order and interconnection that underlies everything. And then it just as fascinating was for them to determine that consciousness creates, that at this smallest of small, when you break down from atomic matter to subatomic and get down to the quantum level, there's actually no form. It's only potential energy that only takes form when consciousness is introduced. And so it, it really got me to thinking about a lot of things. In fact, it helped me explain then why guided imagery works or why the placebo effect works. You are an extremely creative, powerful force as part of this quantum field expressing and form. You have the qualities that we would actually attribute to God, which sounds blasphemous on one level, but that's when I looked even further at that and found that literally every major philosophy and religion believes that we are one with God or one with everything. And that means then God expressing in form. We are one with God or one with this unbelievably loving, compassionate, creative force field. Amazing, isn't it? It's quite it exciting to your research. Yeah, and to discover the power you have to create your life. If there's something to be grateful for, you know, people often talk about gratitude and why it's such a positive thing. Well, the thing I'm most grateful grateful for is this idea that I realize I can create my life. Well, and for those who do follow the, the Bible and, and other world religions, as you said, those principles are just all throughout it. I mean, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's within you. Don't go look here and there. So, you know, we've been given so many. We're given dominion over the earth. So we are creative beings made in the image and likeness of God. And so it, it is a tremendously exciting thing when, when science can start to uh, corroborate or maybe undergird some of these spiritual truths that we're all so familiar with. Right. And it was one of the things that the early quantum physicists actually became very much aware and studied also some spiritual principles trying to understand and um, yeah, I guess 
Uh, maybe I, I don't want to overgeneralize this, but when you really try to think about something, whether it's scientifically or just to understand it, um, it's not so much trying to make a point as to truly understand it. And I think that you can't help but avoid this revelation that, oh my God, there's so much more going on. And that uh, the scientific method um, is a method and not, not necessarily the ultimate or best way to determine truth, which is then where something like meditation comes in and understanding the right and left brain hemispheres and how they know very different realities. Well, you know, you talk about being authentic. And is true happiness really about being authentic and doing what resonates with our essential nature that you're describing here and this quantum field? Well, I believe that. In fact, as a psychologist, well, I would just say there's a human being in common sense, that when you are being yourself, that's when you're going to be most at ease, when you're not worried about being judged or criticized. You can just be yourself, be authentic, whatever that is. But at the, a deeper level, uh, when in fact you are resonating with the qualities of this force field, then I, in fact, that's how I define self-love. It's aligning with the eternal truth of who you are. Yes, it's, it, to me it's the ultimate act of self-love and then how to ensure your health and happiness. So is this why uh, you say to follow your true bliss and go fishing? Well, I think that when uh, Dr. Joseph Campbell was doing his wonderful work looking at fairy tales and myths and parables and the wisdom that under, underlied these, uh, these fables, um, one of the most dominant messages he came up with was follow your bliss. And it, and it so fits you know, the idea of what I call go fishing. Do what brings you the greatest joy and meaning in your life. And I think that um, that's a great way for people to perhaps come to a greater comfort about, well, what should I do with my life? Or what is the thing I can do to be happy and healthy? And in your heart, we may say more metaphorically, but there's a part of you, if you can learn to trust, will let you know what feels right. In fact, in all of the years I taught, uh, about a will to live and asking people to really look at what really mattered in their lives. I boiled it down to the idea that we're all looking for peace of mind. And then I thought, well, okay, so how do we get it? When do we have it? And at some point it occurred to me it's when we're going fishing. It's when we're really doing what we love, which, again, was so opposed to my working with all of these thousands of people who found it too selfish. So it's, it was fascinating to me that the thing we want most, peace of mind, we're most likely to get when we're really doing what we love, and yet we've been so deeply conditioned to believe that that's selfish and inappropriate. That is truly amazing, and it, it really, I think, reveals at the core of how we really need to learn who we really are and that power that does reside within us and how to come into alignment with that. And the guilt is such an amazing thing. So how is going fishing, uh, you know, that form of self-love? And, and how, basically, how do we transition from being conditioned to put others before ourselves or to just to nurture ourselves without guilt? I mean, it's such an amazing thing, as you just described. 
Yeah, and and I have to answer not easily, honestly, Nancy. It's the conditioning is so strong that uh, even if you have the awareness that you have the power to create your life, the conditioning that comes from childhood um, and a sense of I'm only feeling good when I'm pleasing others. You know, however we learn, we're not good enough, and always trying to measure up. I'm always trying to fit in. So I say that. Um, the reason why we find it so difficult to be unique and really be ourselves is because we've learned to uh, think of love as conformity, as conforming to our families of origin and their beliefs and our communities and cultures. And that is so difficult to break free from. The blessing seems to be as we get older, and I say wiser, um, we can get into this kind of crone stage where I think we're more free to really reflect on our lives and uh, open to um, a greater understanding of who we are. And that's the real value of meditation, is uh, if people could really understand that they can learn to access this greater truth and wisdom. And it actually is a way then to transform these early conditioned beliefs around however we understand ourselves through, through our culturation or through our physical senses. Yes, obviously there are many different spiritual techniques and of course meditation being one to really contact that, that inner uh, divine being or higher being or the, the non-physical part of yourself, however you want to define it. So that, you know, I think you hit on the key there about the beliefs of being able to, first of all, recognize the beliefs and then let them go and replace them with another belief so that we really can meet our very, you know, highest potential of, of why we're here. I mean, everybody does have a reason. So <clears throat> what insights can you share with our listeners to help them find joy and this peace of mind and which you believe is essential for our true uh, wellness and wholeness? Well, um, it, it, a couple of things come to mind. One is, it, it, and honestly, it's, it's going to take a commitment um, that people literally make time for themselves, whatever that means. Like when I had people list their interests and their needs and their values. Okay, and now make sure you're taking one of these and incorporating it into your life every day. So just like we made an appointment today to meet to do this interview, is to um, set aside time that you commit to like you would anything else in your day, like your job or whatever else, and make sure you're doing it. And hopefully you have a, a support system, whether it's a husband or wife or someone, who's going to help you honor that or friends that you make that time for yourself. And in that process of going fishing, it also is transformative. You, you are allowing this life force, harmonious energy to now uh, penetrate um, the resistance that has been formed through believing, no, I'm only okay if I look and act a certain way versus, as far as I'm determined, this is all made up. <laughs> everything that we believe. If you know anything about anthropology, you know that what, what has been true today was absolutely not true back then and 
and so forth. It, uh, honest to goodness, when you understand that consciousness creates, I really believe this, Nancy. It's absolutely all made up. So who's to say? I think the crazy thing is for someone who suggests they really have this all figured out. Well, you know, I think you bring up, um, you know, the go fishing metaphor to me also says, or what I've found too, is going out into nature. Like you say, just being one with, you know, uh, nature, experiencing nature. To me, that helps us really connect with our true nature and release all the stresses and thoughts and things, you know, that, that go on in our day-to-day -day lives. And so many people, I find, don't do that because they're just too busy going to work, doing this, doing that. And don't take that time. I mean, whether it's with yourself or with your family or whatever, but it is a, a great healing force to give us greater insight and feel that inspiration that can come to us when we relax and we attune with nature. And um, I find that so valuable. Have, did, you, did that come up in your research at all? It did, Nancy, and I, I believe uh, strongly what you just said. As far as I can determine, uh, nature is the purest form of love. Remember, everything comes from this quantum field or um, something much deeper, but whatever creates this uh, field of harmony and order. And when we are, in fact, let me digress and maybe use an example that might make, help make this make sense. At some point in our education, uh, we had this demonstrated where we would have a, say, a piece of cardboard, and uh, underneath this cardboard would be a magnet. And then we're going to sprinkle iron filings on top of the cardboard. Now, what's going to happen to the iron filings? They're going to take the shape and form of the magnetic field, right? Okay. So if that helps, that's what I think happens when we go into nature. That nature is this pure field of love and harmony and order. And it's like you go into nature and you get this tune-up. Your molecules get realigned. I really believe that happens, and we now have a term on psychology called environmental psychology, where we know that people can literally feel better as a result of exposures to nature or even pictures of nature. That's a, that's a great analogy with the with the magnet, and and I I actually feel that, and of course you may be familiar too with uh, this concept of grounding, where we you know it's so healing to. Uh, put our feet on the bare ground rather than always have our rubber tennis shoes on or whatever we have, that it actually we do receive those currents from the earth and it's very healing also to um, every part of our being. Right, that makes perfect sense to me. That's wonderful. Well tell us, you have a free gift, a couple of free gifts for our listeners. Can you tell us about those? Yes, thank you. Um, if people would go to my website, which they can see on the screen, www.deanschrock.com, they can get a six-part e-course on Why Love Heals, and also a free guided imagery download titled Why Love Heals, a guided imagery exercise to experience Why Love Heals, and I'm very glad to share that. Well, and thank you so much for offering that. Um, I think that would be so beneficial, and I just love your research, and I love all that is that has come forth from it because, you know, it's so easy, as you say, how do you talk to an oncologist about love? It's so easy to say, 
oh yes, love, that's some fairy, airy, new age thing. But in reality, it is undergirded by our science. And um, I do know that not all scientists even recognize quantum physics, which is quite amazing when you think about changing a paradigm or changing our beliefs. So, so it's been a very exciting uh, talk with you, uh, Dr. Schrock, and we're so happy that you're with us here today. Well, thank you, Nancy. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners for being with us. And uh, please go to the website, get your free gifts. I think it would be wonderful. So we'll see you next time. Until then, keep an open mind, a generous heart, and a powerful spirit. Thank you for being with me today. And if you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe, download, and comment. I'd love to hear from you, and your support is much appreciated. And don't forget, go to nancyshowalter.com to get your free electronic copy of my book, It's Okay to Be Rich, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Increased Wealth and Personal Mastery, endorsed by T. Harv Ecker. And my free mini course, How to Speak Your Success, The Shocking Truth of How Your Words Impact Achieving Your Goals. I'll see you next week.